0: What is GOAT? My name is John Severnett Apple I'm here with my buddy Jamie Fry. Say hi, Jamie. What up?
1: <laughs> what up, everybody? Uh, this
0: is our first episode. There's already a million podcasts out there about music, music history. Uh, some of them are hosted by uh, well-renowned music critics. Uh, that's not what this is. Jamie and I are fans, first and foremost, music nerds and musicians. We're, we've been friends for most of our life. We played for many years in the band The Brooklyn What together, and now Jamie has a great band called No Ice, and I play with them. We're just going to kind of be going through some of the goats in terms of music, the greatest of all time. There's so many standard bearers out there. There's a million Rolling Stone lists, and Pitchfork lists, and 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 the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and all of these things that basically explain which albums are technically the best which albums or artists or genres or movements fit nicely into a sort of safe unbiased sense of music history again this is going to be the opposite we are going to be very biased sometimes you just hate something that everyone else loves and you love something that everyone else hates and uh Some of the stuff you might think you love, and then you think about, well, when was the last time I really even put that album on? Do I really remember some of those songs? So we'll just try to get into the nitty-gritty of all that. Today, we're going to talk about Nevermind by Nirvana. Let's talk about fandom, I guess, first and foremost. You're a Nirvana fan.
1: I would say that I'm a Nirvana fan. Those of us born in the 80s, raised in the 90s have to have some kind of strong opinion about Nirvana. Now, we're just old enough. I don't know about you, but I was had no idea who Kurt Cobain was when he was alive. Did you? Really? No, I did. I had no... I your, did. <laughs> your parents are hipper than mine. I had no That's clue. That's true. My,
0: par- my parents were... My dad was definitely into... Um, and some of his friends were definitely into Nirvana on the tail end. I would say I don't remember Nevermind coming out. We were too young for that. I remember... In Utero coming out, and I remember my dad having that on CD, and then by the time Unplugged in New York came out, I was just old enough that I bought it on cassette. That was probably one of the first early cassettes I ever bought, Um, but it was the tail end. I remember him dying more than I remember him being alive. If I'd like to sense. say that
1: I remember this, but I don't
0: think that I also remember I it because it was it's Jamie and I. Our birthdays are very close to each other. Kurt Cobain died right around our birthdays. And I, I remember it's my that. birthday that
1: they found him. Oh, is it? <laughs> I think he was found on the eighth. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. So
0: you were not a Nirvana fan when we were younger. It was when we were. I older. think
1: I became aware of Nirvana as soon as I became aware of. Like alternative radio format, probably the first thing I knew about Nirvana was the Weird Al Yankovic song "Smells Like Nirvana," <laughs> which I think probably holds up. I remember the song being very funny.
0: I didn't listen to that in preparation for recording today.
1: <laughs> I just thought of it now, to be honest. But I think that the first time I ever like thought about Nirvana and who were they were, I think I had seen the "Smells Like Teat Spirit" video. There was a station called K-Rock that we grew up with, which was the alternative rock format, which is a very specific format. And at the core of it was like the heavies of grunge. And they played Nirvana constantly. I was
0: going to say, I don't think I, I, I don't consider myself a Nirvana fan. And I think it's thanks to New York rock radio. I think it, there's some bands and some songs that, we're just played ad nauseum to a degree that it just kills it. It just kills it for you. I never, to this day, I still never want to hear come as you are. Again. Never, I never want to hear smells like teen spirit again. It's just, I mean, the amount of times Poly, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jesus. Yeah.
0: And it wasn't, it actually wasn't until much later, um, in life when I was, uh, I was working at a, at a commercial radio station in the city and they were talking about playlists and, and formatting and all these things. And, and, I was talking to some of the people who worked there who were um, willing to hear my grievances and just talking about how New York radio tends to be really subpar, really limited. And I didn't realize that a lot of that has to do with the sort of business structure of the fact that New York is the biggest radio market. You have the most people listening to radio, and because of that, you have the most restrictive conservative ideas about what you get played so really you listen to a rock radio station anywhere else outside of new york whether it's now or back when we were younger you're going to hear way more variety you're going to have more songs in rotation whereas i mean i feel like you could almost count on your fingers the amount of songs in heavy rotation on a given day listening to like a rock radio station when we were kids
1: oh yeah absolutely i think that when i got into the radio before I only liked old stuff. I didn't think anything new was good. I sort of felt personally attacked by anything that was contemporary. Uh but then once I st- I started listening to K-Rock, it started off as being very different or maybe I was just younger, but it started off as being this really um diverse station where you'd hear like Moby followed by mm-hmm. No Doubt, followed by Metallica. Uh, followed by like a uh, Rage against machine, a rap song or something like they, they would play some hip hop and some electronic music. And then they would play something like Ben Folds five or like <laughs> Alanis Morissette. Yeah. The idea of the alternative right. station gave some leeway. And then they changed the format right after nine yeah. 11 to modern rock and modern rock meant Nickelback yeah. Creed um, three doors down and Nirvana. Right. Nirvana. <laughs> and in fact, younger people like to say the genre called butt rock to describe <laughs> grunge adjacent uh, bands yeah. that have like yarling white yeah. singers. Um, so we
0: haven't even really gotten too much into Nevermind. But I mean, since we're already jumping to the influence, I mean, is when I think about today and I think of what's influenced by Nirvana, it's pretty much two sides of of the spectrum and they're, they're really different. You have what you're talking about. You have the sort of like, I think w- the new metal post grunge you have. Yeah. Nickelback three doors down that kind of thing. And then I guess the other side is like the much more aggressive indie centric stuff, bands like Mets or um, we were just talking about our, our local legends, big cheese who are named after Nirvana song. You have these sort of really noise centered bands that that played at the very basically the side of nirvana that wasn't played on the radio
1: yeah i feel like there's a lot of bands that sound like bleach nirvana in fact my friend james watson who plays and has played in several nirvana influence bands (laughs) he came up with a term called bleach bands Uh (laughs) of this kind of band that's like sort of that's sort of uh sub pop sst records uh worship you know distorted kind of thing uh, but no one sounds like Nevermind really right. anymore. Oh, I, I think the band that sounds like Nevermind is probably a band that's like a middling um, corporate rock band or something. Mm, maybe maybe it's like the band that wants to sound like Come As You Are, yeah. like someone who'd want to open for Nickelback or someone who'd want because there's the 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 sort of logical conclusion of. The radio, like the Middle America rock format, the people who buy Nickelback records—they are a very popular band. Yeah. Somebody buys the records, sure. and these people listen. These people like Kurt Cobain, even though he was essentially against them. Yeah, <laughs> these well, people obviously <laughs> like Nirvana yeah. and buy Nirvana T-shirts from Walmart and stuff. And you know, yeah, that sounds very and- classist. <laughs> 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 something real New York snobbery. Yeah, right. But there's something to Same. that, obviously, because someone buys. There's someone. There's a there's a consumer for this grunge ish yeah. music.
0: You're right, but it's also like how far it has gone away from what that really is. Uh, I went back and I said, you know, I haven't listened to Bleach in a while. And I was listening to some of Bleach. You can say what you will about talent scouts pouncing on the grunge scene after Nirvana break. Right? You have everyone getting signed to big lucrative deals: Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, all these bands. Like, I mean, they and then the generation after but I listened back to Bleach and I was like man like whoever the talent scout was that heard you know love buzz or negative creep and was like this is a money maker that's pretty impressive because they don't sound that way like you listen to that record now it sounds pretty divisive and whoever heard that and said oh no no this is going to be the biggest thing in modern mainstream top 40 I mean they had some foresight.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that record specifically bleach is a album that is made by a punk band with naivete who are snarky, like kind of want to come off as fuck ups. And they're like, it's like that boneheaded, like, you know, it's like Kurt Cobain kind of like both sides of what do you call it, modern rock alternative rock college rock or whatever. The one side is the bookish side, like the feelies or R.E.M., uh, stuff like that, like people who seem like they're into art and went to college, and like Patty Smith, Lou yeah. Reed types or whatever. And then the other half is like stupid, <laughs> like Mud Honey, right. Flipper, <laughs> you know, like like music for like headbanging, right. you know, like kind of just like nihilistic dumb but fun like smart but dumb kind of well let me you ask know. you
0: this then since i think you're i think you're revealing some of where you stand on this and <laughs> what you're in how you're dividing this i would go as far as to say i like that side a lot more like listening to uh, listening to Nevermind today you know what i really enjoyed territorial pissings yeah. love it great yeah, song absolutely. like that, that song is not has not gotten old, and it's aged really well. It could come out today by one of these bands that's like super influenced by. Oh, it'd be the Madani best song in twenty years. It's, it's a, a good, good song, song. You know, yeah, absolutely. But, but then I listen to, and of course, I don't. In in my world, in my in my imaginary world, that would be the big hit. But that's not the world we live in. And obviously, come as you are, and and so it's Like Teen spirit, and the other proper singles are the big hits. But when I listen to those now, I they don't they don't hit me in the same way. I actually way.
1: don't think. That all of Nirvana is catchy.
0: Well, I mean, the singles certainly are, and I mean that's why. Well, I think it's.
1: I think it's a certain.
0: Everybody knows the words to "Smell Like Teen
1: Spirit." "Smell Like Teen Spirit" is catchy. "Come As You Are" is kind of anti-catchy. Like I don't know. it's kind of an annoying drag it's annoying, of a song. Yes. <laughs> and uh, but sometimes songs that are annoying like, or something catchy. Something like "Dumb" or Polly yeah. or there's some. I feel like there's two sides of this songwriting. One is like. On Bleach, he shows that he's a great songwriter in two songs, and about a girl, right. and um, what's the one? Grandma, take me home, sliver. Right, he shows that he's John Lennon in two songs, yeah. and the rest of it is is really fun punk that's really enjoyable. Right. But there's like an inkling of of that hit making thing, and then by the time he gets to Nevermind. His pop acumen has improved, but some of these songs are like... I don't know if they're actually catchy. I might have heard them too many times. But they're <laughs> these songs that are just like drag. There's like such a bummer. Like, um, you know, Lithium has a really rewarding chorus right. or whatever, but like it's such a sad sack of shit kind <laughs> of version of a pop song or something like something in the Way. It's just like such a drag, you But know? I think
0: that... But I mean, isn't that isn't that the appeal of grunge? Isn't that why grunge became the cover of Time Magazine and the cover of music? Because there had not been pop music that was a drag. That was wholly new. We're coming out of the... This 1991 Nevermind comes out. We're coming out of the 80s. Even even the weirdest, most aggressive side of of pop-adjacent alternative music in the 80s or whatever you want to call it, it's still fun. I mean, like the Smiths, it's like upbeat, jangly stuff or, you know, with the exception of Losing My Religion, a lot of REM is pretty yeah. I mean, Shiny Happy People is like, is an alternative hit, you know? So you have, this was, uh, this was something brand new, certainly. You yeah, I, I
1: could hear that. I, I think, well... There used to be a, a descriptor that people would use. I don't know if you remember this. People describe music like, um, I think, Wilco or Everclear or something that's, like, like um, introspective is uh, complaint rock.
0: I've never heard that before. You've never <laughs> heard that before?
1: People would be like, oh, they're, like, complaint rock. <laughs> and I think that's sort of – that is the angle that explores, like, complaint – personal heart-wrenching okay some scraggly old shitty guy who's <laughs> like you know like our Alexakis from Everclear <laughs> <laughs> you know or something like you know oh, like man. some guy be like ah, oh, you know I just got a heroin and <laughs> I'm a divorce or something like that I think that's what sort of that's describing or Jim Blossoms or whatever like something okay. like, like that was a these are a lot of hits like a lot of okay. hits like we were growing up is like about some personal problem, like Soul Asylum's runaway Train being about homelessness, pinfall <laughs> five, brick <laughs> about abortion. And so are Buster you saying Nirvana, Nirvana
0: like launched that?
1: Well, he said he talks about
0: <laughs> stuff because we've heard Nirvana launch a lot of things in the grand scheme of history. I've never heard this.
1: He he complains about weird, embarrassing things in his songs. Kind of okay. it's I think it's that self effacing kind of thing, like showing weakness, okay. which is punk. To be fair, it is, but like, like, at the core of punk is like, I feel like the difference between a rock singer and a punk singer, at the very core, is a rock singer is like a confident guy who people think is fun is the singer of the band, and then a punk singer is like a guy that people would want to avoid is the singer, you know. And Kurt Cobain is is a punk singer in the in in that way. Sure, he's not like Mister High Five, Mister Cool, you know.
0: you are you are however again getting at the thing that you are seeing as being a bit of a turnoff is obviously the thing that ends up connecting with the entirety of generation x you know of okay he's a sad sack he's got problems he's depressed he's got drug issues like those are the things that inadvertently end up connecting him to people which I think we, as we said, we were pretty young when Nirvana came out. We were, we were little kids. And I think that's the kind of thing we saw later with a lot of like the singer songwriters, the sort of, um, uh, you know, Elliot Smith's of the world and stuff like that, where people, a certain segment of the disaffected youth really cling to that for better or worse
1: the after effects of we're not the nirvana generation right. we're just we're not. the generation after. we're the we're the generation Let's where everything <laughs> was influenced by nirvana like when we started buying our own records anything that was new was like either like like influenced by nirvana or in reaction to nirvana i feel like it was the divisive thing like in our high school like I remember walking in right away and seeing like 900 Nirvana t-shirts. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like this was looming over us. But even like Elliot Smith is important to our generation. He's kind of a Kirk Cobain sort of guy. Sure. Weezer's important to our generation. Weezer's a uh, reaction to Nirvana. You know, Foo Fighters were huge. It's like a post-Nirvana band that was like uh, on the radio. Like there's so much post-Nirvana. Yeah.
0: Well, let me ask you about that because like, you know, as we're going through this stuff, Obviously, we're looking at it through our lens. We were not 20 in Seattle when this was happening. We were not even 20 on the East Coast when this was happening. So you're right. We saw the after effects and you still see Kurt Cobain on T-shirts when you walk through the village like all the time. So does the legacy become the thing?
1: This record, Nevermind, is I feel like with the other albums, you can listen to them with more objectivity. I personally like their live albums the best because they don't have production. I feel like all the production on their studio work is a little wrong in one way. Like, Bleach sounds like it should, but it doesn't sound great, and it never will sound great. Yeah. They can re- remix the shit out of it. Yeah, it's I supposed almost... to sound like a throw-off. It's supposed to sound like a DIY band, yeah. and it does. My
0: my favorite so Nir, My favorite Nirvana song, uh, bar none, is Negative Creep, and I never listened to the studio version. I always listen to the live version. No, the live version is much better, The studio version is like, you can't really make head or tail of it.
1: I think Unplugged... Shows is the first time you show the full talent of the guy. And yeah. It's the first time where that John Lennonness that everyone talks yes. about, uh attributed to Kurt Cobain, really comes out. And I feel like the song, like a lot of the singles from that album, were also played on the radio all the time. And I'm much less bored of those. Yeah. And I think their best studio recording is probably "All Apologies" single version. Yeah. I think I. Th- I- Personally, I will always listen to *In Utero* over *Nevermind*. I will always listen to *In Utero* as well. Always, yeah. absolutely. And for the songs on *Nevermind*, their live parts I think absolutely win. So,
0: I mean, let let's. You know, we have the radio singles on *Nevermind* that are overplayed, but were obviously hugely impactful at the time and still. Um, yeah, hits a hit. That hits e- a
1: hit. Even you know. Even in in some world where like the the legacy of Nirvana doesn't exist, these are still number one radio. Yeah. Right? Like if there, like if there is a golden oldie station that we listen to when we're decrepit, we're <laughs> gonna have to listen to "Come as You Are." Still, right? We're we are fated to hear "Come as You Are" yeah. forever, whether we like it or not. Yeah,
0: but there's something, I, and I don't know exactly what it is, but there's something to the fact that when um when "Come as You Are" comes on. The radio, I changed the station, but if Heart Shaped Box or All Apologies
1: comes on, I don't. Fair? Yeah, well, that was, you know, you could blame Butch Vig. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I like his production on, I think in three years he did that, Siamese Dream, oh, and Dirty right. by Sonic Youth. And I love the production, on those two other records. Yeah. I love it. I think it's great production. There's something really corny about tr- over tracking mm-hmm. and over a natural live band, yeah. and I feel like the solos are corny and too neat because Kirkobe's actual solos were sure. just the craziest yes. shit of all time, and they obviously like beat him down yeah. to playing in this in the same way that um, Rivers promo and and weezer took this he pretty much always plays like a verse yeah right and that's like his solo that's the soul and And, that's funny
0: you're right because when you listen to live stuff when you see live footage is really insane and it's fun Borders on tuneless at times yeah but it's it's exciting you know like any foot most footage of nirvana playing live is really fucking exciting yeah and i feel like at least on nevermind like you definitely lose that most of the time, I think yeah, there's drum the sound you hear it. is kind of lame, yeah. And and all the effects, I mean, I don't love, I mean,
1: I hate the phase on that right, guitar, right. they're yeah. iconic,
0: but like at the same time, do we really need all the sort of bells and whistles and the underwater kind of vibe of, of some of these songs? I, I don't know, and and at the same time, like you know, we know Cobain was seeking to emulate the pixies, and especially on something like Smells Like Teen Spirit, and maybe he succeeds at that. Um, I mean, certainly on paper with the dynamics of the loud, quiet, loud stuff. I mean, that is smells like teen spirit is, is so close to that. And you think about that and you think about the pixies, the pixies never really had a big radio hit in the way that Nirvana had a million big radio hits. Maybe there's something to be said. Maybe Butch Vig was right. If he's pushing that direction, maybe Kurt Cobain's right. If he's the one, I don't know, pushing in that direction of these sort of very, Simple, reined in, tuneful songs.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I actually had an I had an argument outside the gig the other night. I think the Pixies are much catchier than Nirvana. To me, the Pixies' <laughs> uh, style, at least from let's say their third to the fifth record, uh, is more of a pop thing to me. It's more pleasing in uh, terms of like harmony, melody the loud quiet loud dynamic that yeah. they invent like you know it's like they're kind of a more pleasing band the the kind of draggy metal and i love metal don't get me wrong i'm not i have not shitting on metal or anything but he was very influenced by metal and like he wanted to be tuned it's almost like there's a battle of the sort of more like like he listened to something like the jesus lizard or the birthday right. party right these are big influences on him and most people cannot listen to this music. <laughs> right. Like I've heard this music and I I would say I I like to a degree both bands. Yeah. I think they're cool, but this is not for most people. Right. There's something right. about that like combination of being heavy and depressing and pop that agreed with everyone at that moment. But you know, yeah, we'll- it's
0: the it's the pop si- it's definitely the pop side and and maybe that's why when I listen back to the stuff, I don't really want to hear the pop songs. I, I genuinely like the Jesus Lizard. I like bands like that. So, I, I mean, listening back today, Breed came on, and I was like, okay, this song really rocks still. <laughs> like, this is, to me, that's what I want to hear. Um, And if I want to hear pop music, I'll listen to, I don't know, the Spice Girls. And I do like pop music, but I like my pop music bubblegum. You right, know what I mean? Right. I don't like, and I like Unabashed. my rock music heavy, loud, fast, yeah. and I like my pop music real poppy. So some of this. So sometimes when the things kind of split the difference, I know I'm the odd one out. I'm well aware. This is just me. Cause obviously it works for the overwhelming majority of people.
1: Well, I think there's something to be said is that he was influenced by music with punishing elements and he kind of stuck them in. And then all of a sudden people are listening to this record. That's kind of punishing. And it's kind of like challenging in a certain way. Now, thinking about that time period and the bands that were popular in the post Nirvana world, cause there's sort of, there's a thread leading up to Nirvana. I think it starts with REM get signed and then Sonic Youth and Jane's Addiction uh, make major label debuts. Husker do and uh, replacements got signed. You know, there's certain like a thread or whatever, but none of these bands were able to hit. And to me, it's like, R.E.M. were way catcher than Nirvana in a lot of ways. Jane's Addiction are way catch. Like, if you want to talk about rock, like, Jane's Addiction yeah. are a much better arena rock band than Nirvana. Well, let me ask Nirvana, you something, you then, know. because you
0: bring, you bring up a good point. And obviously, Nirvana had hits, and obviously, Nirvana have lots of great songs, great songwriter. But there's a million great songwriters throughout history. So why is it that Nirvana is Nirvana. And Jane's Addiction is Jane's Addiction, or Soundgarden, or Soundgarden. These are, I mean, there's no, there's no contest. Nirvana are the Beatles of grunge. There, I mean, if 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 you catch anybody off the street, they will know who Nirvana is. They probably, there's a good chance they won't know any other grunge music or be able to tell you anything else. But everybody knows if they see Kurt Cobain on a T-shirt, they know who that guy is. When they see Nirvana, so. What's your take? Is is this because I, this kind of stuff interests me in terms of why bands end on certain end up on certain trajectories? Why other bands end up on other trajectories? Because um, I know we like a lot of the stuff from this era, and we might like some of it more than Nirvana. I love early Pearl Jam. I like Mud Honey. Uh, I love early Jane's Addiction. It's like why did those bands end up where they ended up, and Nirvana ended up where they ended up? Is it is it Record label interests? Is it producers? Is it how pretty he was? What is he it? He wasn't pretty, actually.
1: I think they like, he photographed well, but he was kind of like not as cute as he is portrayed. But they did somehow nail the iconography of this band perfectly. I think something between the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, the Nevermind album cover, and the aesthetics of the music. I think that there's a some sort of uh cross section between Nirvana and then some of Nirvana's peers and a turn that MTV was taking to being a little more um I don't know, like Beavis and Butthead was really big and like you know, like them doing stuff like Daria and like kind of like creating this more like fringe thing of it's essentially just branding. It's just like branding branding away from hair metal and Michael Jackson. They might have like Picked him, but I think it probably is the video.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. it was
1: one of these videos that really like because this doesn't exist anymore. Like you know, it's not like an iconic right. video. Like no one really cares about music videos like that so much. I mean, people like images, but not in the same way that if all the information you've never heard of Nirvana before and you hear the song "Smell Like Teen Spirit," which I think if you like metal you would probably like, and if you don't like metal you might like. And if you like punk, you might like it. You know, it sort of has some, there's some kind of lateral appeal to that riff and that song. I actually think, so Rolling Stone says that it puts Nevermind is like 17 on their greatest albums of all time. I don't think, I'd rather listen to every pavement record, <laughs> every Pixies record, every yeah. Replacements record, every Sonic Youth record. Yeah. You know, there's like, to me, they're not like, the older I get, the more I'm like, this isn't. Quite on the it, this this is put on the wrong shelf. So, with like, in my is, opinion, is it this album specifically
0: or Nirvana Hold?
1: I'd say both. Really, and this is and I love Nirvana, but it also might be that just like all people our age overrate them mm. so highly. Yeah. You know, just right. one of these things is that everyone who like. Everyone from twenty to forty probably has a strong opinion about Kurt Cobain. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a certain like age yeah. group, or something. I don't know. Now, does
0: that? Do you think part of that just is about popularity? I mean, like you can't necessarily, even amongst musicians, you can't necessarily grab somebody at a show and expect them to have a take on Thurston Moore or on Malcolmus, You know, but you can bet that they have some take on on Kurt Cobain.
1: Those bands, for whatever reason, though, I truly believe. That they're better than Nirvana. Sonic Youth gave Nirvana half their aesthetic. Yeah. And, and are
0: responsible for them signing to a major. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, they, br- they brought them in. And when when they signed Nirvana, they were hoping they would sell like a quarter what Sonic Youth sold. Because they were a new band. Right. Um, But for whatever reason, a lot of people, regular people, think, would hear Sonic Youth and just like, this sucks. Like these guys are not cool, and I don't want to buy this record. And <laughs> Pavement is like these guys are annoying, and they're not cool. But there's something about Krupp. I think. I think maybe him wearing flannel, being not typically good looking, in a certain sense, he's he's good looking in a way. Like I think that he resembles like like the a weirdo that you met, like a weirdo in your high school. And you know what's interesting you know? about
0: you saying that is is at the same time there's self-professed Kurt Cobain, there's so much conversation wound up in these albums about legitimacy and selling out and your image or lack of an image. And to his credit, I mean, he really didn't uh, play into any of that stuff. He, he, you know, I don't, uh, in the end, you can argue that's part of what led to his demise. It's part of what led to his sort of tortured feelings about, the music he's putting out or the label he's signed to or the MTV culture, whatever any of these things are. Um, But it's kind of interesting to think about in that way. But why, you know, it's just funny to me that it's like, why wasn't that Eddie Vedder? You know, why wasn't that Chris Cornell that is really in the driver's
1: seat? Well, those guys are kind of like more like uh, sexually confident men (laughs) than Kurt Cobain, I think. Those are more those guys are <laughs> more like those guys are more like um have that regular appeal he's got this other appeal so he's
0: so he's more he's more elusive he's he's a little bit more I think than other.
1: that the version of ma- of masculinity <laughs> that Kurt Cobain describes is slightly off center to Cornell okay. and Vetter I think that Vetter is like a surfer,
0: yes, that's true
1: who seems pleasant <laughs> i think that chris cornell resembles the long-haired singer of a heavy metal band because he is one. Yeah. <laughs> right okay or at least that's what he <laughs> right. was aspiring to be so i think he has more of that like uh sort of i will say like bon jovi or vince okay. neal just just in terms of yeah. the type of masculinity okay. he has not and then kirk coban is like he just describes an underdog really well. Yeah. And
0: I think also he's, I think you're right. He describes an underdog well, and I think he looks the part. And again, I don't mean that in a, in a patronizing way, but he looks the part and he plays that part well, where if you're some kid in 1991 in high school and you're doodling in your notebook and you're sad and you're sitting by your locker and whatnot, that's, also, Kurt Cobain, you know, that's but that's not necessarily any better. It's definitely not Perry Farrell. You know, it's not these other guys. That no, guy Perry
1: Farrell is very sophisticated. There's a difference. Like, yeah. I think the Jin's Diction and they were able to be a huge arena band. Yeah. There's some there's something that happened from A to B because that's like they're a huge arena band, but they're kind of like arty. They're like they're goths. They seem sophisticated. People who are not sophisticated can't identify with Kurt Cobain, okay. like it's like, and there's something about this like kind of everyman shit, like the flannel. The Bruce, he's, the, you he's know. the he's the grunge Bruce. I guess no one's ever compared him to Bruce Springsteen, right? I mean, think but about maybe that's that, right? real. Yeah, maybe it's supposed to be. You can see an everyman. He's,
0: he's a Rorschach test. You can see if you are the. Kid who thinks they're secretly the smartest kid in school and misunderstood and an artist—you can see that in Kurt Cobain. Sure, but if you're just some kid from the sticks living in a trailer, you can also see that in Kurt Cobain. You know,
1: there's something I think Republicans like Nirvana. Like I think that there's (laughs) something like like for literally you know like where is your research on this? (laughs) Well, they sold enough records that Republicans probably buy their. You know, there's certain you get popular enough. That it's not just because he represented this certain politics from DIY punk, but you know, he came from this background that is like almost overbearingly liberal and at times hypocrite. Like, there's some things they said where I'm just like, I'm over this kind of line of thinking. And I love punk and I love the ethics of punk, right. and, but like, you know, there's something like he used to. Um, Berate Courtney Love because she bought like a Honda Accord or something. Like fuck that, you know. Like that's an adult who said that to his wife. You know that guy's an asshole. Like fuck him. He describes sort of a not confident person, the antihero. That's what it is. It's like the you know the antihero persona, which would just become it would be beat to death by I think by the end of the nineties people wanted. Their singers to be cocky again because they were so bored of like yeah, sure. I am divorced, right? <laughs> you know, I'm addicted to heroin, you know, like like Corn, <laughs> Jonathan Davis from Corn, like singing about being molested all the time, and you know, <laughs> did Maynard you James see- Keenan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you ever see? Um,
0: Think the movie, I think it's called The Wrestler, the movie yeah. with Mickey Burke. Do you remember that scene? Yeah, in the the bar? 90s fucking suck. yeah. <laughs> the 80s, <laughs> they say Kurt Cobain ruined everything. I love that, <laughs> and I think that's really true for a certain segment. Like, there are so many young kids from the 90s or teenagers from the 90s who really, um, you know, loved this, and I suppose those are the people who, in a lot of ways, are making these lists now. Those are the people who are doing uh, the rock hall now, or doing these inductions, but to a lot of people before that and a lot of people after, this music doesn't quite hit the same nerve. There's still those people in bars going, Guns and Roses. That
1: was the shit, you know? <laughs> and
0: I'll be honest, I think I've listened to Appetite for Destruction a lot more than Nevermind,
1: probably. Well, one of these records is a lot more fun than the other one. <laughs> like <true>. one-, <laughs> one of these, like, you know, describes a more nuanced lifestyle
0: <laughs> of um so of early grunge contemporaries 90 91 late 80s early 90s uh, is there something is there an album do you think that has aged better than nevermind
1: well i think that spin magazine had nevermind as number 3 album of uh, albums of the year i would argue that the two albums i don't remember if this is True, but I think there were two albums that were ranked higher, and one is Bandwagon Esque. That was number one. Which has aged very, very well to yeah. the point where it could have come out any year. Yeah. And it would probably go with but you know, that's their aesthetic is a very like specific one. And the other yeah. is Loveless by My Bloody, Bloody Valentine. Uh, and I didn't you know, know that about Loveless. and Loveless has influenced a lot of music too, and a lot of it is just as lame as uh Nirvana ripoff. Maybe. too but you know it's uh
0: but again that makes you wonder i mean you can't we certainly can discuss it and we have and we will but you can't blame a band for what they influence oh no, absolutely not yeah you know and that's true of a lot of a lot of great bands have influenced a lot of garbage um and i think i think a hot take that only you and i would share is that spin got it right i mean in the in the in history, that is looked at as like one of the great misjudgments. Right, that absolutely. Nirvana, yeah. never mind it's a, I listen to bandwagonist all the time. I listen to teenage. Yeah, I never constantly. get bored of that. Yeah, I listen to My Bloody Valentine constantly. I don't listen to Nirvana that much.
1: No, only when you're in the shopping mall, <laughs> or you're in a car, or that's the thing. It's I like think, you're you're you never gonna avoid this music. It's right. never gonna so happen. So why put it
0: on? You're gonna have to hear it <laughs> when you leave your house anyway. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> No, you're
1: you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be at uh, Target, uh, you know, getting some um, beach chairs to go to the beach, and of course you're gonna like, oh man, you are <laughs> yeah, oh fun day at the beach, you know. <laughs>
0: that that being said, uh, Jamie, you you own a Nirvana T-shirt, right? I've I have
1: owned many. <laughs> I don't know if any of them have stuck to, with me. We just need
0: to paint like a thorough picture.
1: I had several Nirvana posters. <laughs> I own several Nirvana t-shirts. I I bought all their albums at least one time.
0: we I think And we're... I am a
1: Nirvana fan. Yeah. That has grow, a grown. <laughs> I'm a woke Nirvana You're a grown fan. Ass man. <laughs> I I I'm a Nirvana, I I'm a person who is a fan of Nirvana who is woke to the truth about Kurt Cobain and Nirvana.
0: I will I will leave another Hot take as as we as we round out this episode. Um I think you might agree with me, maybe you won't. Personal preference, I would listen to the first two Foo Fighters albums over, Nevermind.
1: I think Color in the Shape is a nine billion times better than uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nevermind. And I, with that, I, <laughs> we I think we we're probably again the only That's, two another, people episode. That That's <laughs> another
0: episode. That's uh, another episode. so a whole lot of people can think we're idiots <laughs> uh thanks for listening to what is goat uh, i'm john severin napalolo
1: i'm jamie pride